All right, our reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 9. Um, it's an entire story. It will hold together well because it's a story, but I would encourage you, if you're going to close your eyes, hold on to something because you might lose your balance. Um, but listen to this story from John 9. It can be found on page 895 of the, your Blue Pew Bibles. I'll remind you of that in just a minute if you want to just listen. John chapter 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that this man, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he, and others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go, wash, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. For a second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already. And you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him 
saying you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered to him, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees heard him, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Please pray with me. Father, we come to your word, and um, you know that we are drawn in by stories. Um, you know that this story is rich with imagery and with symbolism. Father, it is rich with truth. And so, Father, now I ask that you would use your word to open the eyes of our hearts that we may know That we may know, Father, who you are. Father, for this to happen, you have to do a great work among us even now. But we praise you that you have said that your word never goes out from you and returns void, but always accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. Father, we come before you now. And we ask you humbly, would you accomplish the purposes of your word among us and in us? Father, would you accomplish the purposes of your word in me today? Would you, Father, continue to open our eyes that we might see Jesus? And Father, I just pray for the person in this room who is convinced that today of all days, the frustration of all frustrations, having mounted this week, that this certainly is not going to be the day when you open their eyes. Lord Jesus, I pray that as you did not wait for the blind man before you opened his eyes, neither would you wait for us, but that you would do your work in your time, in our hearts, and in our lives. Father, the healing that we need 
is great. It is great. Father, show us your mercy. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. We have been working our way through the Gospel of John, and today Jesus uses again the phrase, the Son of Man, and he uses it to the blind man. I think that there's a, wor a theme here in this passage that I want you to think about with me really quickly, and that theme is this, that Jesus' work, the work of God that he said he has come to do, and the work that he invited his disciples into with him that Jesus' work illustrates that God leads with mercy when he deals with sinful humanity. Let me say it one more time. Jesus' work of healing the blind man illustrates that God leads with mercy when he deals with us, sinful humanity. It's interesting as I've seen it it seems as if this narrative is driven by questions. And I want you to see the introduction and the question that is asked there. And then the main part of the, of the passage is driven by a second question. And then Jesus finishes the passage by a third question. The first question is posed to us by the disciples. And it says, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's the first question that introduces us to what this passage is about. The second question that happens five times, excuse me, four times, is this question in the central section that says, how were your eyes opened? And then there's finally a third question that ends this section, and it ends with Jesus speaking to the man who was then formerly blind, do you believe in the Son of Man? Those are the three questions that we're going to look at. I want you to see how the first question introduces us to the theme that Jesus' work illustrates. God's dealing with us mercifully as sinful humanity. In verse 2, the disciples come and they ask Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? There's an assumption behind that question, isn't there? The assumption is that this man who was born blind, and, and it's a big deal that he was born blind, the man references it over and over and even references it to the confidence that this is God's work in his life. The assumption is that God's initial response toward this man and toward humanity, God's initial response to sin is to inflict suffering. You know, it's really even likely that the disciples believed that, which led to their callousness of even asking the question that was more than likely in the presence of a blind man. This man, this man right here, this man who heard them talking about him. But you know, it's most likely that this blind man believed it as well. Jesus' response in verses 3 through 5 began to, no pun intended or intended, shed light on the situation. 
Jesus answered very boldly, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus gives the very reason for why this man was born blind, that the works of God would be displayed in him. And then he goes on to say, We, including his disciples, must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world, Jesus says. Connecting this healing miracle to what we were supposed to understand in Jesus' declaration at the Feast of the Booths, that he is the light of the world. Jesus' response is that the works of God are going to be made known in this man's life. God is about to be revealed, and Jesus, as the light of the world, engages this blind man. Verse 6 is stunning in its brevity and also uh, in, in the situation, if you'll let yourself get there. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Jesus engages a blind man who has yet to engage Christ. Jesus makes mud and applies it to this man's eyes. And in so doing, he pulls the pin on this mercy hand grenade and he lobs it into this group of people. Jesus, the one who was sent from the Father, as he just articulated, sent this blind man in. It's a strange thing about mercy, isn't it? Mercy either transforms or it repels. It is either received and entire relationships built or it is rejected. As Nathan and I were thinking about this passage this week, we looked at it and, and we thought too how often it is the point that we look around in each other's lives and at other people, especially those who are not like us in whatever way we mean that, that we're so quick to point out their sin, to seek to determine who's responsible for what. What would happen if we were rewired to identify mercy? To identify mercy, and not just mercy, but the opportunities to show it. How might this happen? Well, in order for it to happen to you and me, our assumptions about who God is need to be revealed. Listen, if you've come into this service today and you have said, I, I am all out of mercy. I have no more mercy left. I want you to know that this sign and this sermon is for you. Here, Jesus brings us to mercy's store. The central question that helps us understand that Jesus' work illustrates God's leading in mercy towards sinful human beings is the question that we get out of verses 8 all the way through the end of the story, 34, when the blind man is kicked out of the synagogue 
And that question is this, how were your eyes opened? The formerly blind man, and remember, he has yet to see Jesus at this question, comes back, and the first thing that he does is he returns to where he was before, and the people are amazed. They said, this seems like that guy that used to be blind. And other people go, no, he just looks like him. And the guy's going, it's me, it's me, I, I'm the guy, I was blind, and now I see. And they're like, come on, man, you were blind? How is it that you see? That's the question that's asked in verse 10, right? And immediately the guy gives glory to God, right? He looks at him and he says, look, the guy named Jesus, he made mud, anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. The question of how were your eyes open leads us immediately to Jesus, right? Because what do the people say to the blind man? They look at him and they say, where is he? Where is Jesus? Let's go to him. And he looked at him and he goes, I, I, I don't know. The blind man hadn't even seen Jesus. Naturally, where do they go to understand what a miracle is? They go to those who have taught them about who God is and what his character is like. They take them to the Pharisees. And in verse 15, we get the question again from the Pharisees, how were your eyes opened? And again, the formerly blind man, he, he's forthright. He tells them again, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. But we see the crisis that Jesus just created by this miracle of mercy in this man's life because we're told that he did this on the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath was taken extremely seriously and for good reason because God in the Old Testament said, you should observe the Sabbath and those who don't observe it ought to be killed. And so the Pharisees were like, we've got to observe the Sabbath. This is a serious deal. They came up with no fewer than 39 categories of work that could not be done on the Sabbath. One of those categories of work that they generated from what they saw to be the seriousness of God in observing the Sabbath was the 23rd one, which says no kneading. And they determined that what must have happened is that Jesus must have made mud by kneading the clay with his spittle, therefore breaking the Sabbath. You see the crisis that is assumed. Jesus who reveals God in this sign of mercy, is now charged as being a sinner, one who has a wicked heart and who has nothing to do with the will of God, versus those who see the situation and say, no, wait a minute, a man's eyes have been healed. He was born blind and now he sees. This is an incredible act of mercy. If the latter is received as an incredible act of mercy, there has to be a reordering of understanding who God is, how he thinks about the Sabbath, how he interacts with human beings. But if the former is believed that Jesus is a wicked man who has broken the Sabbath and who is turned against the will of the Lord, then he must be rejected. This is the crisis that Jesus' mercy hand grenade explodes in their lives. 
And if you want a life that is filled with mercy as well, this hand grenade of mercy has to explode in our assumptions. Verse 19 is the third place that you see it. They don't believe that this man was born blind, and so they bring his parents to him. The best thing to do with this story is to dismiss it wholeheartedly outright. There's no way that this guy has been blind from birth, and so they bring his parents into it. And in verse 19, they ask his parents, is this your son who was born blind? How is it that he now sees? The question is now revealing their unbelief. They don't believe the man, so they go to the parents. But the parents respond, and they respond in a way that ought to let all the air out of your spiritual balloons that you rightfully ought to be celebrate. His parents respond to that question in verse 20 by saying, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. We're told that they denied any knowledge of the entire thing because they were afraid of being kicked out of the temple. I want you to imagine what it was like for the blind man who is there with his parents and he sees them for the first time. This is the first time he has seen his parents in his life. And they refuse to enter into the crisis of mercy that is playing out right before them. They refuse to celebrate. And why? Because of their fear. Well, the last time that this question comes up is when the Pharisees come to the man who was formerly blind in verse 24 and 25, and they say to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Now, what they're saying to him is they're saying, look, admit with us that this guy is a sinner, this Jesus guy. Admit with us that he broke the Sabbath by healing your eyes on the Sabbath. They call him into denying this miracle of mercy because they believe that the Sabbath is more about keeping than the Sabbath is about reception of mercy. You see how these guys have made the Sabbath a work as opposed to a reception of God's mercy. And it flies into the face of what the Old Testament says about the Sabbath. The reason that the Sabbath was created for us and the laws that God gave Moses was so that the people might be refreshed, is what he tells them. The reason that we're invited into God's Sabbath rest is not because God is resting. Jesus has already said in John 5 that God is not resting, that God has been at work ever since the beginning, bringing redemption. And Jesus says, I'm at work with my Father, and that's why I work on the Sabbath. But still, broken humanity is invited into the Sabbath to receive mercy, to receive rest, to receive refreshment, while God the whole time is redeeming all things and making them right. And here the Pharisees, those who are communicating to this blind man, this man who was formerly blind, demand that he recognize Jesus as a sinner. 
Listen to what they are saying when they say that and, and make sure we understand it. The mercy that you have received, man who was formerly blind, isn't from God. That's what they're saying. God would not do that on the Sabbath. That's what they're saying. And to that response, the man who was formerly blind has to give an answer. And he starts with the fact that he sees, right? I mean, this is an amazing thing. He was born blind and he goes, look, why this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners this guy has sat underneath these Pharisees for a long time. You can go to Proverbs. You can go to Psalms. You can go to Isaiah 1. You can go throughout the Old Testament that references that those who are wicked and, and, and turned away from the will of the Lord, the Lord does not hear them. In fact, one of those is an accusation in Isaiah 1 against the Israelites themselves as they had turned away from the Lord and tried to use him as a totem to get what they wanted. Their prayers became the spells to make God work. And God says, I don't listen to those prayers. And this man says, look, you've taught me this. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. He says in 32, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. It's never been heard of. The amazing thing is there's not an example of it in the Old Testament even. He's saying no one's heard of this. This is amazing. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. The man who was formerly blind has said this is a prophet and he is sent from God. He has come to show God's merciful action toward me. And how do they respond to him in 34? They answer him, you were born in utter sin. It goes all the way back to the first question. The reason that you were born blind is your own sin, is what they accuse him of. You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And so they cast him out. But the crisis doesn't go away. Jesus' work illustrates that God deals with sinful humanity, leading with mercy. How does it end? It ends with a final question, and it's Jesus' question toward the blind man. Jesus asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? The blind man hasn't found Christ yet. He hasn't seen Jesus he responds to the man that asks him the question, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus reveals himself now to him. You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Jesus says to this blind man on his first day of sight, you have not seen from your birth, and yet on this day, you now see the Son of Man. This phrase, Son of Man, is exclusively used by Jesus in the Gospel of John. 
It is dependent completely on the incarnation being sent, as Jesus says, over and over about the Son of Man. That God sends Jesus, that God reveals himself to humanity through Christ. And the result of this revelation of God's mercy on a Sabbath day creates the crisis of judgment. And as one commentator said, everyone who interacts with this will be judged and they will judge themselves, either in acceptance or in rejection. Jesus says, on your day one of sight, you have seen the Son of Man and it's me. And the formerly blind man says, Lord, I believe. And he falls down prostrate before him. And worships him. This is just the beginning of mercy that this blind man will see. This man who was formerly blind will see. Wait till this man will see the Son of Man lifted up on the cross. The blind man will also see that as well. Just like that song sings, let us love and sing in wonder, that there at the cross, justice and grace meet at mercy's store. The store for mercy that is for you and me. Jesus, in this act of healing a blind man, is offering a different understanding of how God deals with sinful humanity, leading with mercy. He leads with mercy. Jesus has said, I am the Son of Man. God sent me, he said. Isaiah 42, verse 6, reads like this, The Lord's chosen one, I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, that you might open the eyes of those who are blind. Why? Because God leads with mercy when dealing with sinful humanity. It's not like justice is ignored. Grace and justice meet at the cross, mercy's store. But it's even in his very name, Exodus 34. The children in the communicants class know it. What is the very first attribute that is given to God? The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful. A God of mercy. And we heard it in the psalm today. Surely, or the psalmist says, only goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Will pursue me. Will hunt me. Will chase me. Will catch me. Will change me. Will transform me. God's goodness and mercy. What is the Sabbath day for? Let me ask you that. Are you here to learn something new? To walk away and go, I've got another index card of information on who God is and what the scripture is about. 
Or is the Sabbath day, the day of rest that God has called us into, a day where we are required to find our refreshment from Him, our enjoyment in Him, and to entrust our lives to Him, to not work and gather and labor for the ways that we will make a life in this world, but to take up on mercy. To change us by sitting and soaking in God's mercy. The mercy that the Son of Man reveals about our Heavenly Father toward us sinful humanity. Where in your life is God calling you to recognize this mercy? If your answer is nowhere, that's a problem. Where do you and I need to lead with mercy? Real mercy does not do away with justice. God's mercy is demonstrated as his justice is poured out on Christ. But you and I as image bearers of God, are called to lives of mercy. The theme of this healing miracle, the work that Jesus does, illustrates that God leads with mercy when dealing with fallen human beings. It challenges our assumptions. But if you will allow it, and if I will allow it, if we will continually and again allow it to remind us that God deals with us, leading with mercy, we will become women and men of mercy. Let's pray.